0: Hey, do me a favor, take your phone out of your pocket. Oh, goodness. Take your phone out of your pocket. If you got powers, this cell phone number, pull it up. Don't put this on the screen. Uh, oh, we have already up on the screen. <laughs> put it back up there. It's up now. Let's do it. Let's all text powers real quick. I'm telling him, I hope you're in... A four hour line at Pandora. Love you, man. Tell him how much you appreciate him, how much you love his family, and uh and that you're thinking about him this morning. Good deal. Oh uh, Brandon just group text me in it and says, Hey Powie, love you buddy. Hope y'all are having a great time. Good deal. I hope he gets 100 text messages this morning. I'm thankful for Powers, Blakely, his children. Uh, Powers and I pray a lot together for our children. And uh, really the whole staff prays together for our children's sake. And, and I'm just thankful for them so much. Joshua chapter number 5 is where we're going this morning. Joshua chapter number 5. and uh, And this is a very interesting text. You'll see why here in a moment when we read the scripture together. But um, in January of 2021, so not this past January, but the January before that, we looked at a text. If you're new here, by the way, this morning or visiting today, we're walking through the book of Joshua together. And so we've come to Joshua chapter number five. And so we're going to deal with that here in just a moment. Um, But in January of 2021, we looked at a passage of scripture out of Judges chapter number 2, verse 10, where the Bible says that a generation arose that neither knew the Lord or knew of his mighty works. Judges is the book right after Joshua. In fact, Judges opens up with Joshua dies. And then the next chapter, it says in chapter 2, verse 10, that A generation arose that neither knew the Lord or knew of His mighty works. And so if you were here last week, and we dealt with Joshua chapter 4, where they built the stones of remembrance, where they cross over the, the Jordan River and they build the stones of remembrance, there is a generation that comes up after this that didn't know about the stones of remembrance. Which I think is pretty interesting. And in that verse, last January, we really um, we really concentrated on that verse all year. Uh, Powers, you must have told everyone to text us. I can't keep up with all these texts. Ha 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 ha! That's fantastic. That's great. Um. So in 2021, we used that passage as a launching pad to talk about pursuing God in our families, because what we decided was that there was a breakdown in the family, that like grandparents weren't telling grandchildren or or failed to tell, to, to tell their children and then the parents had kids and those parents failed to tell their children about what God had done for us, for them. So there's a breakdown somewhere in the family. If a generation arose that that neither knew the Lord and didn't even know of the good things that he'd done. And so there somehow there was a breakdown in the family. And so we we dealt with that, and we've been dealing with the idea of pursuing God in our families. And so we focused a lot last year on prayer at home and prayer with our spouses, uh, telling our children and our uh, the people in our family about our salvation story. What is God doing in your life right now? It's okay. Share with your children what God is doing right now in your life. Uh, we talked about eating at the kitchen table together last year. We talked a lot about that. We, we gave out Bibles. We gave out children's Bibles. We gave out devotionals for spouses. And um, we gave out... Devotions, we're still giving those things out and there's things on the table right now that are free. There's a there's a book out there called Gentle and Lowly and I think, I don't know, there's a few of them out there. It's a wonderful book about the ministry of Jesus. It's free. It's out there for anybody that wants to grab it and take it home. And we just encourage you, that if you're going to do that, to please read it. And so, the book of Joshua really is a story about me and you really it's it's i know i know we're not in the text but but we're really there it's it's god walking in the middle of a group of people that are just like us who don't have it all together and god takes a hold of these people and ushers them into a land that he had promised 600 years prior to them walking into it in Joshua chapter 4. And so we're going to get to chapter 5 here in a moment. But but this is a story about me and you. God is still pressing his kingdom forward in our lives. And he will do that until the king returns. And we journey with him wherever he leads we go. I heard a story by a pastor this past week. Uh, the pastor's name is Bill Eliff. He's at Summit Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's a wonderful man of God, a wonderful pastor. The story goes something like this. John Scully was one of the youngest CEOs in America of his time, and he was over the Pepsi Corporation. Scully had a friend who was an unknown tech startup guy, a business startup guy, desperately wanted Scully to come help him and to leave Pepsi. This particular friend, no one knew about, no one knew about his business, begged Scully over and over and over again. Of course, Scully, being the CEO of Pepsi, why would he want to leave that job? The startup business was going to be called Apple. And one day, Scully's friend, Steve Jobs, sat down with him at a hotel where they discussed him coming over to work with this unknown man, with this unknown business. What changed Scully's mind to leave Pepsi was a question that Jobs asked him. Here's the question. Scully, do you want to spend the rest of your life making sugar water, or do you want to come change the world? Now, we can argue whether this change really has been for the better or for the worst, I can think of a lot of ways that this has been for the better, but I can think of a lot of ways that this has been for the worst. But I think that we all can agree that Apple certainly changed the world. That it's possible to change a generation in how they think and how they live. What I'm here to tell you that there is something greater than technology that is able to do that. And it's the gospel. It really does have the power to change somebody's life, to change your life, to change your family's life, to change your children's life. We want to reach the next generation of children and families in this community, wherever God sends us, where we work, where we live, and where we play, to raise up and to disciple families to know and to love God with all of their heart, sinners just like Me and just like you, who fight through their sin through the power of the Holy Spirit to pursue God and to be discipled. My kids are learning everything from everyone. Are your kids like that? It's interesting to me how they hear and they pick up on everything, especially that's bad, that comes out of either my mouth, Aaron's mouth, and hers mouth is a lot worse than mine, right? But in particular on TV on TV and on the radio. And don't hear me wrong. We do our best to try to shelter our kids. And I think that there is sheltering that definitely needs to be done with a 5 and a 6 year old and a 9 year old that's probably not done with a 14 15 16 year old and so forth. The parenting and the sheltering backs off at some point, but even even a 16 year old is sheltered more so than than a 19-year-old in your house, 20-year-old. But it's so funny to me to see that they pick up on everything, and we can listen to a song or or on the radio or 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 see a show on TV, and you know, you think you're good and godly, and all of a sudden something slips through the crack, or maybe there's a song that's on that I'm jamming to, and I forget that. That, that, that line number two has a word in it. And, and when it hits, if I can remember that it's going there, I may change the, the station or, or whatnot. And, but it's always interesting to me that when, when, it, when it goes through, I kind of look up in the rear view and saw her staring straight at me. She caught it, she heard it. The other day, Sam said, Daddy, you said the S word. You said, shut up, Daddy. And I said, you're right, I did, I'm sorry. They pick up on everything. My prayer is is that me and Aaron are pouring into them to counter what is being poured into them by the world. The world is discipling our kids, our children, our grandchildren. The world is discipling me and you. The question is, are we countering that with discipling in the Word of God. This is really our story in Joshua chapter number five. Let's let's read a little bit. Let's read the first ten verses together and and, and let's work through this passage together. This is an interesting passage, and let's let's deal with it. As soon as, now you gotta catch this, they've crossed the Jordan River. They're they're about to go to Jericho in chapter 6 and take over this walled city. But before they do that, God says, slow down. There's something that we need to do and talk about. Let's read about it. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. The gossip of God had gone before them, right? Verse 2, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives, praise God for doctors, hospitals, scalpels. Y'all, they got rocks here. Are you kidding me? So Joshua made flint and eyes and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gilbeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who had come out of Egypt, perished. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so it was with their children, whom he raised up until their, until their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. We'll stop there this morning. Now, some of y'all are looking at me and going, What in the world are you going to do with this text? But I earnestly believe, that every word written in this book is useful for our growth in Christian ministry and love and faith. It's there. It's here. There's a, there, in fact, there's a really good message here. There will be no sermon illustrations today. But this is a really good point that the Word of God is pulling out. The new generation being raised up and released by God for God. This is it. Their parents had walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. They had complained for 40 years. They complained against Moses. They wanted a better leader. They complained against drinking water from a rock. They complained against manna from heaven. They complained about everything. They complained so much that the book of Exodus tells us that they wanted to go back to Egypt. To be enslaved. Why would Moses bring us out here in the desert to die? Is what they said. Let us go back to Egypt. At least we had a good place to lay our head and a good hot meal. They complained. And as they wandered around in the desert for 40 years and God was faithful with the complaining generation, God also let them die out and not see the promised land. In those 40 years, another generation arose. A generation that they failed to keep the covenant when those males were born. They failed to keep the covenant that God laid out to Abraham in the book of Genesis. Until so all of those boys were uncircumcised. I get it. This is a strange topic. I scratched my head whenever Joshua came back from. This meeting with the Lord, and throughout the news that every man was going to be circumcised. I get it. I, I, I got a feeling that some old boys said, "Come again. What? What are we? What's about to happen? We're supposed to do what with rocks? No Advil, no ice packs, nothing. But God." Wanted to mark his people to be different. Hang in here with me. He wanted to mark his people to be different. He wanted to mark them physically to be different. He starts this in the book of Genesis when he promises Abraham that he will be a blessing and out of him will come salvation to the nations. Now this sermon could go in a couple of different ways here. There's a wonderful thought here of where God marked His people so that they would look different and be different in how they behaved in that particular area. Are you with me this morning? But this physical mark, this physical mark, reflected that this group of people had a special relationship with God. This was going to be a people set apart from all the other nations who lived and did anything that they wanted to, who were with anybody that they wanted to be with. And marriage between a man and a woman certainly was not marriage between a man and a woman amongst all of the other tribes, amongst all the other nations. And so God marks His people. Like I said, there's... Wonderful ways in which we could go with a sermon. I can't preach all the thoughts here. I have to pick a journey and let's go with it. So the Lord marks His people in this way by cutting their flesh. And now, all of this really is a foreshadowing of what is to come in Christ Because the Old Testament prophesies, Jeremiah prophesies about a time when the flesh won't be circumcised but the heart will be circumcised. And the New Testament writers pick up on this through Jesus' teaching about the new covenant that has come and as the New Testament writers pick up on this Through Jesus' teaching and through the Old Testament, they begin to see that this was nothing more than a foreshadowing of the time come when Jesus would cut the heart, not the flesh. Paul picks up on this in Colossians chapter 2, one of several examples that we could pull out. Look at verses 11 and 12. Can we pull Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12? Look at what Paul says, how he makes the bridge right here. In him, Jesus, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. We we'll won't need rocks no more, praise God. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. What's Paul saying there? Paul's saying that physical circumcision does not save, it is a spiritual circumcision of our heart. This is what Paul is saying. The sermon could keep going, and this thought process is right here. I got to press on for the sake of time in Joshua 5. All of this is extremely interesting to me. What's even more interesting to me is that, if you're with me, same with you. I do not want you to miss this. This is really good. It's interesting to me that a wandering desert generation was circumcised, but according to verse 6 of Joshua, they didn't, of 5, Joshua chapter 5 verse 6, They were circumcised, but they did not listen to the voice of God, and they perished. But the people who were allowed to come into the promised land were uncircumcised. The children of the circumcised generation. Hear the warning this morning. We can have all of the marks of the people of God. We can, we can eat manna from heaven. We can drink water from the rock. We can have all of the looks of being cut by God on the outside. But at the end of the day, we could be just like this wandering generation and live with all of the marks in unbelief. And i got to be honest, I think this is exactly where the church is today, in America. We have a form of godliness with no power. We look great on Sunday and have the marks of a Christian, but on Monday morning, ain't nobody thinking about Jesus on Monday. Nobody's thinking about Jesus carrying kids to school. Nope. We're all about conversation about anything and everything other than Jesus when we go to school, when we go to work. Prayer life is non-existent. On Sunday, we look really good. On Friday night, God's nowhere to be found. On Sunday, we look fantastic. But we, when our friends get together, there's no conversation about God in any of our conversations. We have a form of godliness, but deny its power. We want to look like we're cut on the outside. The Bible talks about a cut on the inside is where salvation comes. The next generation really needs a fresh encounter with God, which marks them and changes their lives. This is really what the text is about. Don't miss this in Joshua 5. The people are probably thinking, let's get ready to go to battle. Let's get our swords ready. Let's get our armor ready. Let's go up there. Let's, let's, let's whoop tail, take names. Let's, let's do this thing. And God says, slow down. I want you to renew the covenant that you made with me. Slow down and talk to me. Slow down and let's renew the promise that was made. It's exactly what we are in need of today. A fresh cutting of the heart to desire God. It's real easy to think that today we are in need of better education. I'm all for education. My parents are educated. I'm educated, my wife's educated, I talk to my kids about education, talk to my kids about the fact that, hey, you ain't got to go to college, that's fantastic, but you're going to go somewhere and get educated on learn how to do something. We're already having those conversations. Go be a welder, go to school and learn to be the best welder you can possibly be. Go to plumbing school, go be the best plumbing uh, plumber that the world has ever seen. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We're already having conversations about education. I think education is fantastic. I think getting your master's is fantastic. My wife's got her master's. I got my master's. I think it's fantastic. Better yourself with education. Education is great. but Please hear me. Education is not our answer in our land. I'm all about governmental services, particularly for people that need it, especially for people that need it. I want to pay taxes, and I want to know that my taxes go to help people that need to be helped. I want to help folks that need to be helped. had a conversation with a guy uh, uh, two weeks ago that me and Aaron have been helping. The church staff knows who I'm talking about. I talk about him all the time. I pray for him, trying to help him, trying to help him. The church has helped him some. There have been other people who have kicked in to help him some. I had a conversation with him two weeks ago about uh, he, he's got a job. He's a hard worker, guy works his tail off, but he's in a place in a state right now that is extremely difficult to get ahead. I had a conversation with him about food stamps. I'm glad my taxes go for food stamps for him. He needs it. He said, "I don 't want to go on food stamps." I said, "Brother, you make 13 dollars an hour right now working your tail off. You're in need of food stamps. I pay money into the system." He said, "Well, I pay money into the system." I said, "Exactly." File for food stamps and get them. He said, What's it going to do? I said, It's going to help you for your money to go towards rent. But please hear me governmental services are not the answer to our land. Government cannot save. I'm all for fixing our health care system. I think it's important, I think it's broken. I think there are people who are elderly that have paid a lot of money for their pharmaceuticals that probably shouldn't be paying nearly the amount of money that they need to pay for their pharmaceuticals. I'm all for it, but please hear me. A perfect health care system is not going to fix the problems in our nation. What our nation needs, and this sounds just like an old school preacher, what our nation needs revival. It needs a movement of Christ where his people begin to hunger and thirst for him again instead of going to church and looking like we've been marked by God and walking away plain Jane like we've never been touched with a fresh encounter from Jesus. We need revival. In our land, we need revival at Union Hill Baptist Church. We need revival in your household and in my household. We need revival to get hungry and desperate for God. This is Joshua 5. Slow down. Remember the covenant that has been made. I've told you a few times about the revival in our community years ago that I saw in my teenage years. Many of you have lived through that time here through the youth groups of the the churches here. I really think that in those days uh, there were wonderful pastors in our area, wonderful, wonderful pastors in our area, but I really feel like the student pastors and the students led revival in our community uh, uh, in those days. I was a teenager in those days. I remember at one time several, several years ago when I talked to you about this one time, I could count over 75 teenagers in churches around us, from the river to Pleasant Grove uh, to Midfield to Hueytown, all over. I remember uh, at one time I could count over 75 teenagers in churches who had been called into gospel ministry, men and women who still serve churches today, Uh, in fact. I remember Randy Norris leading a first priority as a student pastor at North Highlands Baptist. I remember him leading first priority at Hueytown High School, and I uh, I remember the bleachers being filled. There was a man at Oak Grove High School by the name of James Parker. Anybody remember the teacher James Parker? He led first party in those days as well. I don't know. It was a time where students hungered for God. I remember having a group of guys around me. We would just get together and pray. We'd spend 30 minutes, an hour in prayer. I remember one conversation in particular at Concord Baptist we hadn't seen people saved and baptized in I don't know a couple of months and so me and a handful of guys we got together and prayed 30 45 minutes an hour just for God to save There was a hungering for prayer in those days like even in my own life that I don't think I've ever I, that I don't think I've ever gotten back into I, I mean I lost it look at your friend group do, do y'all pray together at all I mean, I mean, seriously, the people you, everybody look at me, the people you hang out with and go out to dinner with and eat Mexican food with and, and go to the movies with and, and go to the beach with, I I, think about it. I'm really asking you a a question. Answer this right now. The people you hang out with, do y'all pray together at all? You can read about the great revivals of previous generations, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Azusa Street Revival in 1915 in California, the Great Revival of 1857. For example, the Lord raised up D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody received so much criticism. It was during a time where Darwinism and, and, uh, and secular thought was just bombarding uh, the educational process. D.L. Moody was raised up. D.L. Moody took so much criticism. This was the quote for D.L. Moody against him. You ready? Reli- he is making religion be the opiate of the masses. The post-World War II awakening, where the Lord raised up Billy Graham, Coming out of the 1960s, which is, I I would say, I didn't live through. How many of y'all lived through the 60s? Would you raise your hand? You lived through them, you weren't like two. You lived through the 60s. You remember the 60s. Don't be quick to forget that the 60s was just as divisive as it is today. Families were divided at the kitchen table, talking about the Vietnam War. Don't be quick to forget that. And out of that chaos and divisiveness, out of all of that divisiveness in the land, uh, over everything, even out of the 60s, out of all of that chaos, the 70s rolled in with what was called the Jesus Movement. You can track all of these moves of God and you can track them back to pockets of men and women who begin to pray for a fresh encounter with Christ, who begin to repent of sin in themselves and in their land, repent of what is going on. God, forgive our land. God, bring healing to our land. I'm telling you, it's what we need today. A fresh encounter. And we need a generation to rise up. Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Peter has just preached the first sermon after Jesus ascends into heaven. The Bible says they were cut to the heart when they heard the word of God. Union Hill, we have got to be burdened for the next generation. We've got to be. Because if we're not, the world will reach them Look at verses 13 and 15, 13 through 15, and we'll shut this thing down here in a second because something interesting happens that we haven't read. They're about to go to Jericho, and there's a little story on the backside of this passage that I think is pretty interesting. Look at at the text right here. Verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the Lord of the army. And now I have come. He has seen this angelic warrior, isn't he? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant and the commander of the Lord's army? said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It's very similar to Moses taking off his sandals, is it not? This this warrior, this angelic warrior is pretty interesting. Often what we see in the Old Testament is that the angel of the Lord appears to different people and interacts with them. A lot of commentary, a lot of discussion about who the angel of the Lord is. A lot of opinion on who the angel of the Lord is. Can I give you my opinion based on a lot of wonderful people that I lean on who I think love the Scripture and believe the Scripture? I think that this is a pre-New Testament Jesus showing of Jesus. A pre-incarnate Jesus. Joshua falls at his feet and worships. The commander of the Lord's army right here seems to be an ambassador for the Lord. I think this is Christ. I think he shows up. And I love what the commander of the Lord's army says. Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And Jesus says, neither. One commentator writes, the Lord doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. And so here he's come. Here he's come. Joshua worships. Jesus shows up. Don't miss this. We're going to close and we're going to be done. Jesus shows up right in the middle of the journey. And here, he's not very meek and mild. But he's a warrior. You see, an encounter with God requires submission. It requires submission. Submission to the Lord, bowing down, worshiping the fact that he's holy, that he's different. The fact that the Lord is not like anything else that has ever been created. He's different. And I bow down to him and submit to him. Jesus shows up right in the middle of their journey as a warrior. The captain of the army walks with his people. He's walking ahead of you. Walking ahead of them. He's walking ahead of you. Once again, this kingdom theme is running ahead of us. That the king has made a specific people for a specific time and purpose to create a kingdom. And he's with us. I'm going to invite the guys up and to, to get ready to lead us. And as they come, let me tell you what this looks like at the Stevens household. Several years ago, Erin uh, has taught at Oak Grove Elementary. Uh, she's keeping the nursery this morning. She's taught at Oak Grove Elementary for 16 years, maybe going on 17. And uh, several years ago, Erin had a kid in her class and, uh, who was very difficult to deal with. If you're a teacher in here, have you ever had a kid that's difficult to deal with? Mm and so I remember my mom also dealing with this as well growing up but several years ago Aaron had a difficult child to deal with and that child really came from a very very dysfunctional home and so a lot of the ways that that child was acting out at school was really a reflection of the home Okay. and so as a teacher you see that you have compassion, you want to have compassion but a lot of times your compassion is mixed with sometimes, to be honest with you hatred at times let's just call it what it is Frustration, maybe is a better word. And so as a teacher, I don't know if you've ever been in a place to where you're called by God to go to a school, to go to a classroom that you don't want to be in for a whole semester. And I remember me and Aaron... This is what it looks like to walk out the kingdom. This is what it, the kingdom walking it out it looks like at the Stevens household. I remember during that time us specifically praying together over this child, over Aaron's anxiety, over her frustrations, her praying out loud, God, will you help me love this child? Did it get better? Some days, but most days, no. But Erin and me intentionally praying over the promised land of her classroom for her to walk into, to walk in the purpose that God has created her for. Let me tell you what this looks like in the Stevens household. Weeks ago, I had a meeting with a man on the verge of losing his marriage he called and wanted to meet with me desperate for his wife to be back with him so I met with him walking into the meeting I'm sitting here thinking God I'm not a marriage counselor what am I going to say I don't even know what I'm going to hear God, will you help me? I texted a few preachers of mine. They began to, te- friends of mine, they began to text me back and say, Mike, we are praying for the Spirit of the Lord to give you words to say in this meeting. And, and just all kind of prayer was going out for me and for this man. And I walk in and, and I just really become a listening ear. And you know where we ended up being in the conversation? Begging God together in prayer for a marriage to be healed. Why are you talking about this? Because this is what the kingdom looks like in my life. God has marked me. And because God has cut me on the inside, I got to live this out every day. I can't get away from it. I can't shake it. I've been in, I've been infected with the gospel. I can't I can't get the disease off of me and so I'm going to live for the king wherever he places me. Walk this out. My wife's going to do that and man I could talk to you about my children and how we're trying to do that with them and I could talk to you about my family and I could talk to you about uh, the individual in my family's life right now that we're trying to help that's 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 at the bottom of the totem pole that we're trying to get back on the right feet. I mean that, there's a thou- you got the you got the same things in your life. I'm, I'm not the spiritual authority. You're just like me. We're living this stuff out. This is, this is what the text is about. Having an encounter with God that marks us and changes us. If you're here today and you've never... If you're here today and your heart's never been circumcised, you need to be cut by Jesus today. Will you call on the name of the Lord, and He will mark you and change you. When I was a student pastor, I vowed in those days that I would never preach on circumcision because students would absolutely go crazy over that word, and so I really avoided that topic, and I'm here at 41 years old. My, 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 how things change in my mind. It's in the text, and we preach it today with boldness. Jesus has got to cut us. If you've never been cut by Christ, he loves you and wants to change your life. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? The Lord has marked me. Then I want to encourage you today to live in such a way to reach the next generation. To live to reach the next generation. Let's pray. Father God, we want to say thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray if someone is here today and they've never met you, they do not, never have had a fresh encounter with Christ, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you are making that happen right now. As I pray, Father, you are making that happen right now. You are are opening up their heart to receive you. If you're here today you've never received Jesus, would you call on the name of the Lord? Just call on him. Say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. And if you pray a prayer and you believe in Christ, Jesus will save you right where you are. If you're here today and you're a Christian and you need a fresh encounter with a God that grabbed a hold of your life so many years ago, then you call on the name of the Lord. The altar's open for anyone here. You went through membership class and you want to join our church family this morning, that's fine too. You can come forward. We'll have prayer with you and you can join our, our church family today. Uh, and, uh, And so we just want to ask the Lord, Father, bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray.